0: greetings i am nidhi a family doctor having practiced in a variety of settings different countries rural and urban environments has given me the privilege of caring for many patients and sharing important moments of their lives this podcast tells us of the lessons learned from these stories the thoughts provoked emotions generated as well as a hope that i can create an understanding of actions and lead a path towards kindness. This episode is recorded by a guest speaker. A piece of cake. Even if you love to travel, the airport is an inherently stressful place. It's usually crowded and full of people that you otherwise would never cross paths with. On top of that, there's also an uncertainty about all the events that you can't control. If the plane will be delayed, if the gate will change... If your seat partner will be chatty. With such apprehension at the best of times, you can imagine how bizarre things were at Boston Logan's International Terminal in mid-March of 2020. Most of us can remember exactly what we were doing when things changed. Stores closed, events got postponed, and HR sent out that email that said, please don't come back on Monday. And a lot of international flights started to get canceled. And that's when Emily landed in Boston. To step back a bit. Before I knew what a coronavirus was, the spring of 2020 was supposed to be an exciting time for me. In 2018, I met a wonderful Australian girl, Emily, who was in Boston studying political science. She was clever, kind, and even though I was trying to be nonchalant about it, she had a great accent. The only problem was that after her program ended, she had to go home, literally to the other side of the world. Over the next two years, we took turns making the 24-plus hour trip. It was difficult, but we made it work while she finished school and I prepared for the MCAT. Once both were behind us, we thought about visa options. The answer very quickly became obvious. If we wanted to be together, we would really have to take the plunge. After months of waiting and a metric ton of paperwork, our fiancé visa got approved. Once she landed, we would have just 90 days to get married and file all our documents with immigration services. I try not to think about what would have happened if Emily hadn't gotten a seat on that flight, one of the last ones to leave before the U.S. and Australia both heavily restricted their international travel. When Emily came through the gate, I almost didn't recognize her. She was wearing a giant mask, one of the first people at that time to do so, She's a trendsetter. She had just left her home, her friends, her family, and had traveled literally around the world, potentially risking her health, with all of her possessions condensed into two suitcases. And all I had for her was a coffee and a welcome home balloon. To top it all off, we'd be going home to my parents' house to ride out the pandemic. We didn't know then that it wasn't actually going to end. Emily had no idea what the world would look like when she immigrated. She also had no idea when she'd be able to get back home. In fact, a year and a half later, we still don't know. With one major obstacle overcome, we turned our focus on to the next one that 90 day clock ticking down to the dreaded overstayed visa. It was not a great time to have visa issues in America. Immigration services hadn't given us any information on pandemic changes. In fact, they'd really never given us much information about anything throughout the applications. Just intimidating letters and cryptic forms. We had first wanted to spend the summer before medical school planning a backyard wedding for friends and family to celebrate, but that idea was long gone. Days after she landed, I called our town clerk, who had just one piece of advice for us. You better hurry up. We went to pick up our marriage license and felt the impending sense of doom every minute. In filling out the forms, we were asked to choose. Who wanted to be the groom? I quickly signed my name by groom. I didn't want them to change their mind about letting us into the building or about setting up an appointment to be married by the judge first thing the following day. I woke up that day at 6.30 a.m. to my phone ringing. It was the town clerk. I'm so sorry she said. All public town offices in the state of Connecticut were now closed. We could not come in for our 8 a.m. appointment, and we literally could not get married. We had done so much work to get to this point, and it felt like so little of the process had anything to do with how much I loved my wife. I had done mountains of paperwork and ate cans of beans for months to pay the fees to get Emily here. I had to prove I was an upstanding citizen, secure and capable. I had kept every receipt from every meal we ate together, every photo, plane ticket, even text messages, and I compiled it into a thorough, well-organized, and clearly labeled book of evidence to prove to the government that I loved her because of covid none of that really mattered my color-coded thumb tabs weren't enough and we had absolutely no idea what the consequences might be it hit me all at once not only was i not going to have a wedding that we could remember fondly i might not even get the basic paperwork done to avoid trouble I had been so practical for so long, and now the small sense of control that I had over my own affairs was also swept away by the pandemic. I try to imagine now what Emily must have been thinking. She beat all the odds to leave the safety of home, to travel around the world in a global pandemic, to a much more severely affected country, to live with my parents. And now, I was losing it. When things were at their most bleak, my dad casually said, Hey, I'm pretty sure our neighbor Steve is a justice of the peace. Should we go knock on his door? And that's how, two days later, our neighbor Steve ended up at the stone wall between our yards, screaming vows at us from 15 feet away. I wore a white sundress that I had worn to my college graduation, and Emily wore a suit, her only piece of formal wear that had fit in the suitcase. My mom bought flowers during the 5 a.m. senior hours at the and shop, and Steve, bless him, actually crossed out groom and wrote bride on his ceremony script that he had printed at home. But most importantly, we got his signature. There was just one step to go. The town clerk had to actually get this signed paper back to consider us married and to give us the evidence we needed to complete this phase of Emily's immigration. The clerk, who most certainly felt bad for us, agreed to come in to get the paper, on the condition that we left it in an envelope in the parking lot. It felt like we were in a low budget spy movie. We sat in our car and texted her when the drop off was complete, and she came out with rubber gloves on to pick up the envelope off the steps. We had gotten married, and the entire ordeal had felt like diffusing a time bomb. At no point did I feel like a bride. It wasn't the happiest day of my life. Honestly, it wasn't even a particularly good day. No part of the process had felt about us at all. It was just hoops to jump through and the ambiguous threat of consequences if we didn't get it done in time. Sometimes, I still feel a little bitter about that. But most of the time, I don't. I realize now that our goal was never actually to get married. It was to be together. After our immigration ordeal and the world's saddest wedding, we spent several months with my parents and then several more sharing a tiny Boston apartment with a roommate while I worked long, lonely nights through my first year of medical school. It took months for Emily's work visa to process. She was isolated and just plain bored. I was stressed out all the time, and because of the pandemic, I had little connection to any of my peers. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, and about a hundred square feet of space between us. It's been hard, but at the end of the day, we got what we wanted. We're together. It wasn't fun, and it wasn't glamorous, and it still isn't. The pandemic has put an absurd amount of stress on every aspect of our lives. But from it, I've also learned how much my marriage can do. We can endure anxiety, frustration, uncertainties. We can hit a wall and find ways around it. I wouldn't change the way things happened for us. I know now, without a doubt, that we can do hard things. We're a good team, and we can solve seemingly unsolvable problems. We can coexist when the coexisting conditions are bad, I'll never doubt now that we can get through the problems that we'll face in years to come. When you have to move mountains just to be together, the rest is a piece of cake.